We're so glad you are here with us today as we are continuing our teaching series called Future Church. And Future Church really involves at looking at what the New Testament tells us and how it informs us about understanding the Jesus way and about following what it is that he has for us. Because ultimately, this church doesn't belong to Joe Velarde, by the way, in case you didn't know that, right? It's not my church. This is his church. It's the church that belongs to Jesus. It's not your church in the sense that you're the founder of it and it centers around you or me. Jesus is the one that's built upon, and we're coming around who he is and what he has for us. And as we begin our time together, I want to ask you two questions. Here's the first question. When in your life have you lacked courage? When in your life have you lacked courage? I want you to be thinking about that. Maybe there was a time you were in a meeting at your work and you should have said something but chose not to say something, right? Maybe it was even some idea that you had, but you were afraid of what others would think if you brought this idea to the table. Maybe it was asking out that boy or that girl, right? You're like, oh man, I don't know about this, you know. Maybe it was around COVID times or a prognosis that you received or a loved one received that you felt not only afraid, but it paralyzed you because fear in itself is not not what I'm talking about when it comes to being courageous. Fear we all experience, that's a human response, but it's what are we going to do with that fear? Is it going to cause us to get paralyzed or to move back, or is it going to cause us to join Jesus and move forward with him? And so I want you to be thinking about that in your life. When have you lacked courage? And then here's the next question. Where in your life are you currently lacking courage? Maybe for you right now, it's the the new school year. I know parents are pretty anxious about that, right? You're like, what's this year even going to look like, right? It's it's really um, unsettling, especially when you keep hearing new things come out around COVID and and how we're to, to relate to that and respond to that. Maybe for you, it's as a student going back, you're like, oh, I'm not really looking forward to that. They keep changing their mask requirements, and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, and all these things that are just unsettling. It just doesn't feel like it once did for us. Maybe that's for you. Maybe you're saying school is is it for is the the area where you're you're lacking courage. Maybe for for you, it's all the stuff that's going on in the world, whether that's Haiti or Afghanistan. There's these things that are just unsettling to us right now. Maybe for you you're in the middle of fighting uh, an illness or or there's something in your life that continues to plague you and you're having a difficult time having the courage to ask for help. You're having a difficult time having the courage to just be honest. Hey, I need help. I need help. Because that takes courage to be able to do. Maybe for you, you're lacking the courage when it comes to dealing with an issue that's going to unresolved in a relationship with someone that you care about. You know, and, and you, you need to have the courage to have that difficult conversation, that clarifying conversation, not to accuse, but to get clarity. And courage is something that we all need. I know for me this week, as I looked at our calendar, there are a couple of things that I'm, I'm asking Jesus to give me courage about. One is my son, every year he has to go back and get a kidney scan to figure out how his kidney function's doing. And that, that's never fun as a parent to have to do that year over year. And we're hoping for a good prognosis. We're not sure. Because last time the doctor was like, I'm not seeing necessarily 
it progressing. I see some regression. And I'm, I'm praying for a good report, but the courage to be like, man, that, that's never fun to have to take your child who, when he sees the hospital, he's like, I don't want to go there. That's what he says. Literally, we were driving somewhere else at a birth, to a birthday party, and he had to pass the Lehigh Valley Hospital. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go. <laughs> we're like, we're not going there. We're going to a party. You know, that's not fun, right? Or, or maybe for, for us, it's looking at the, the things that are going to, to happen where he has to get more checkups and follow-ups to make sure his eye function is healthy because he had uh, an issue that he had to have as a, as a child with, with his head and his skull and, and all these things. And so those are not fun. Those are not fun. Those, those take courage to, to say, Jesus, will you walk with me through this? Because I'm not necessarily looking forward to that. And then there are these new seasons, right, that for, for us, as we look ahead, you know, we're, we've got orientation this week where he's going to start kindergarten. And we're like, we're excited and we're nervous and we're excited and we're nervous, right? All these types of feelings that, that you have. And how's he going to do? And how's he going to respond? And, and all those things. But I know for my own life, I want the courage that Christ provides. But if you lack courage, I want you to know you're not alone in that. You're not alone in that. In fact, when we think about the future church and we think about the ancient paths, when we go back to the formation of the early church, we saw men and women who lacked courage. They were cowardly at times. And specifically, when you look at the life of Peter, Peter, who was very bold, oftentimes, when you follow the Gospels, and and he just spoke his, his mind, all of a sudden, when Jesus is betrayed, and not only betrayed, but then they see him murdered on a cross, and all this is happening, people ask Peter, hey, do you know Jesus? Aren't you a follower of him? And we've seen you with him. Oh, I don't know him. I don't know him. And he denies three times. And he's not the only one that deserts Jesus in this moment. But you see him acting very cowardly. So much so that Jesus, after he resurrects, has to go find Peter in John 21 and remind him and who he is and invite him back to the life that he was called to in Jesus. And one of the things that you'll notice as you get through the, the early church and the formation, all of a sudden you see them going from being cowardly to courageous. And you see them becoming emboldened to proclaim who this Jesus is, who it is that they've walked with, and what it is that they saw with their own eyes. And when you go to Acts 1, you see them waiting, as Jesus has told them to, to wait for the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to give an account to what it is that you've seen with your very own eyes, who I am, the way of life that I've called you to, the fact that I've defeated sin and death because I was not only crucified and buried, but I was resurrected. And you saw it with your own eyes. You're going to give you're going to give an account to that. And he's told the disciples to wait. Wait till the Spirit comes because you need the Holy Spirit to do what it is that I'm asking you to do. And so they pray and they wait. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And as the Holy Spirit comes, they start preaching with this great boldness. And I think back to Peter and, and Acts 2, you start seeing on the day of Pentecost to proclaim who Jesus is. And as they proclaim who Jesus is, Peter's just being honest about their condition apart from God, what it is that they did unknowingly, but they cooperated with the betrayal of Jesus and seeing him murdered on the cross. And this emboldenment, again, was by the power of the Spirit, and it says thousands come to know Jesus and become followers of Christ. 
And the church is, is being formed around this Jesus way. And you start seeing this generosity and this love and this care for one another in the local community as well. And they have favor with each other and, and favor with the people. And, and people are coming to know Jesus many at a time. And then you get to Acts 3. And as you get to Acts 3, Peter is walking with John. And as he's walking with John, he goes by this man who's, who's crippled. And he's holding out something to, to drop money and asking for money. And Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Be made well. Get up and walk. And he helps the man up. And the man begins to walk. And people are like, what in the world just happened? Oh my goodness. And then Peter just goes into sharing who Jesus is and, and how this happens. And, and more people come to know Christ. But the religious leaders of that day did not like that because they were trying to squelch out the resurrection of Jesus and the witnesses of who he is and, and what, he, what he had done for all people and, and the proclamation of that. And so they come and get Peter and John. And as they get Peter and John, they're asking them to give an account and the man that they've healed is with them as well. And so they just start talking about who this Jesus is, how he's the cornerstone, and all these things describe who he is. But they don't know what to do again with Peter and John. But listen to what it says here in Acts 4. And this is where we're going to be today. Acts 4, starting in verse 13, it says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were what? Unschooled? What's the other word? Ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with who? And I just love this, because what this says to us is that their courage doesn't come from themselves. Their courage comes from being with Christ. How would you describe yourself or how others described you? For them, they were described as unschooled and ordinary. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? I'm, I felt pretty ordinary, right? Like some of you heard say that, like that, that describes me. Or, or there's something you've done in your life that you says, hey, you would say, that forfeits me from joining Jesus on his mission. But what we find through this is, no, there is a courage that is ours when we are with Christ. Christ is the source of our courage. Christ is the source that allows us to be courageous for what it is he has for us to do. What is he asking of us? What he wants for us to say and communicate? He's the courage that we're be, he's the source of that courage that we so desperately need. Again, they were astonished. They were astonished because they saw Peter and John specifically, as we go back to Peter, being cowardly, and now they're courageous, and they're astonished by this. As we continue on here, it says this, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So, hey, don't speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him, which is Jesus. So he's, they're asking this question, should we listen to you or should we listen to Jesus? In case you don't know the answer, the answer should always be we're going to listen to Jesus. Should I listen to myself or listen to Jesus? The answer is always Jesus. Should I listen to what it is somebody else wants me to do or should I listen to what Jesus has for me to do? The answer is always Jesus. In case you're just wondering, I'm here to help you out as you're getting ready for the school year, all right? The answer is always Jesus. He says, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. 
just like those people who got baptized, they can't help but speak of what their experience has been. They are giving an account of what they've experienced. And for me in my own life, you know, when I think about one of the best restaurants here in the Lehigh Valley, it's True Blue Mediterranean, in case you're wondering, all right? It's an Emmaus. But I can't help but tell you about it. So much so that I know exactly what I'm going to order when I get there. When someone says, hey, you want to meet up? Yeah, let's meet up at True Blue. Let's meet up at True Blue. I had, I had my good buddy Ed Hanna reach out to me. He's like, what do you order from there? And in a minute, I could tell him, hey, this is what you order, right? And I want to share with him what it is I've experienced. In the same way, they're saying, hey, I'm only sharing with you what it is I've seen and experienced in my own life. I cannot help speaking about that which we have seen and heard with our own eyes. Because it wasn't just something that they had had heard somebody else say. It's what they saw with their own eyes. It's what they heard was they walked with Jesus as they joined Jesus and what he had for them. When Jesus appeared to them, resurrected, and over 500 witnesses at a time, he shows up to them. Hey, I'm resurrected. I'm alive. I've defeated sin and death. And so as we think about this, and as we consider what's said here, here's a couple things I want to give to us. One is, do we display courage that comes from being with Christ? And you may be like, well, you know, I'm, I don't have a natural, courageous disposition. Again, I want you to rem- be reminded what they said about Peter and John, ordinary, unschooled men. It's not about what your limitation is. It's about the one that provides the courage that we need. So do we display the courage that comes from being with Christ? Because he is the source of our life, the life that we're called to, to walk with Jesus. And and I loved as we heard people uh, like with Adam and, and Caleb talking about that, they could have courage not in themselves, but with Jesus, whether that was the anxieties or their anger or the conflict. It was joining Jesus and inviting him in to those spaces. And here's another question. What rhythms do you have in your life to keep you connected with Christ? What are the rhythms in your life that keep you connected with Christ? What are the things that help you to see him wherever you go, whether you're at school or whether you're at work or whether you're out playing with your friends and hanging out, you know, doing those types of things? How are you creating space for him? And and for some of us, There's a a lot of different ways we can do that. And you often hear, get in the scriptures, which I think is a big part of that, and and pray is a part of that. But for some of us, it's just getting outside. Getting outside and being quiet and being still. Sometimes it's going on a drive and turning off our car radio. Or sometimes turning on some worship music. There's all kinds of ways that we can do that. And I don't want to limit how you can go about it. But I want you to be thinking about what rhythms do you have in your life to keep you connected with Christ. And just a few moments, we're going to actually have an expression of that. Something that's going to allow us to experience it collectively through, through prayer in just a few moments. But again, the, the point of what I'm trying to get at here is how can you stay connected to Christ? Because he, again, is the source of our courage. He's the one, no matter who we are. If we would call ourselves unschooled, ordinary, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. He's the source that gives us the courage that's needed so that we can continue to join him in what he has for our life, so that he's the one that we can proclaim, both in word and deed, that we could be those who join Jesus and giving an account and giving a witness to how he's changed us 
how he's changed our lives. Well, it continues on here in Acts 4. It says this, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And so they're, they're recognizing just the bigness of God here. They're, they're, they're just crying out to him. They're raising their voice in prayer. And then it goes on to say this. It says, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And as you think about this prayer and what's said here, doesn't it feel that the nations are raging right now? Like this is 2,000 years before this moment in time that we're experiencing. There's this upheaval. There's this idea that the kings of the earth are, are rising up and the rulers are banding together against the Lord and against his anointed one, against Jesus. There's that sense. And as we think about that, here's a couple things. First, we become courageous when we are captive to the bigness of God. Do you notice that the way they fight the fear that is very real in this moment, the, the, the Sanhedrin had called them together, that's the, same, that's the same people, same body of people who called Jesus and were part of Jesus being crucified and executed. The same group of people. Part of the reason they were courageous is they had been with Christ, but also as you hear this prayer, they saw the bigness of God. They said, hey, our issue here is, it's real, and it's scary, and it's hard, and the persecution that we're experiencing, the loss of, of things and people that we love and care about, that's a real thing. But our God is bigger. Our God is bigger. It's, it's the idea of walking in the fear of the Lord, and the fear of the Lord is to walk in awe and reverence of who he is, because that is the place where all wisdom comes from and so we fight fear with with the fear of the lord we fight the fear that we experience with the fear of the lord we understand who he is it allows us to see his bigness and then compare it to what it is that we have and to have a proper perspective and to give over and to join him with whatever it is that we're facing and going through that real issue that pain point the thing that they were experiencing but i want you to think about this they were captivated by who he is. They called out to him. They recognized his characteristics. What are the things you appreciate about Jesus? Do you let him know? Do you, do you let your heavenly father know, this is what I appreciate about who you are. Thank you. Thank you for, for what it is you're doing in my life. I see your bigness. Again, we become courageous when we are, cap, when we are captive to the bigness of God. As we continue on here, listen to what it says. It says, indeed, Herod, and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city, in this city, to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Again, I want you to know, this isn't far removed from when Jesus was murdered on the cross and resurrected. These are very closely tied and linked together. That's why you hear him say this, conspired against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen now lord considered their threats 
and enable your servants to speak your word with what's the word here? With what? I can't hear you. You're not being very bold. With what? Uh, With boldness, right? With boldness. And then he says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Beautiful prayer. And it's a prayer that we're all called and can pray that God would embolden us and that he would do a work that only he could do, that he would bring healing and hope and restoration. And so as we think about that, there's a couple things I want to give us. First is this, that we become courageous when we pray for boldness. And I want you to be doing that on a regular basis. God, make me bold. Make me bold to do what it is you're asking me to do in my life, to join you, that my answer would be yes whenever you ask something of me. My answer would always be yes. Make me bold in demonstrating and proclaiming who you are. And, and the boldness doesn't mean you need to become somebody that you're not, but you need to allow the Holy Spirit to have access to do what only he can do in and through and around you. You don't need to be another Joe Velarde, because I know when we hear boldness, we're like, yeah, you're pretty bold. You're kind of in my face, right? You're like at that intent. That's not what, what this is talking about. He takes who we are. He takes who we are. And by the power of the Spirit, emboldens us when we pray for boldness. So we become courageous when we pray for boldness. Here's a question for you. Who in your life do you need to pray for boldness to share Jesus with? Who are those classmates, coworkers, neighbors? Who are those people that you see at the, wherever you get your coffee? I'm a Starbucks guy. Maybe you're a Wawa person or a Dunkin' Donuts person. Who, who is it? Who is it in your life that you just need to pray for boldness? You need to see your life as a mission and joining Jesus, both in the demonstration of his life in you and then the proclamation of who he is. You know, I think about my, my friend, Quinn McDowell, who's the assistant basketball coach at Lehigh. And, and one of the things that he has shared with me is, hey, I want to see all my life as a mission. How I coach, how I walk alongside the players, how I prioritize what it is that I'm going to give my life and my time to. I want to be so obedient to Jesus. I want my answer to be yes to whatever he asks for me. Same thing for us. We can do that when we pray a prayer of boldness because praying for boldness is a prayer of surrender and a prayer that my eyes are going to see how you're working and I'm going to join you in that. So who in your life do you need to pray for boldness to share Jesus with? Here's the, the next part. We become courageous when we pray for God's healing hand. We believe that God can heal. We believe that God has the power to do it. Last Sunday, I had my, my good buddy Mike DeSelm and his wife Nicole come on stage. and We prayed over them as, as Mike has begun his chemotherapy treatments. And, and the reason why we did that is because we believe that God can heal. And sometimes it's a physical healing that we need. Sometimes it's a spiritual, emotional healing that we need, but we believe that he is able to heal. And as we think about that, we know that in Christ, whether we are in need of a healing of what I've described, or we're looking forward to the day where we will be fully healed, where we don't have to worry any longer about counting our carbs and what we're eating, and we get a perfect and new body, right? You know, we're looking forward to that day, and there's a day where we're going to have a perfect and complete healing in Jesus, right? And so we believe that God is able to provide healing. And so we become courageous when we pray for God's healing hand. 
So here's a couple of questions for you. Where do you need to experience God's healing hand? Where right now do you need to experience his healing hand? Where in your life are you like, man, I am desperate for his healing hand here. And then I will follow up with this question. Who do you know that needs to experience God's healing hand? Who do you know? And are you praying for them? Are you believing that God is able? Are you coming before the throne of grace to pray for them, to pray on behalf of them? Not in a judgy way, but as one who's joining Jesus on his mission of caring for people. Because by the way, he cares for people. He cares for you more than you could care for people or even care for yourself. And so we want to join him in that. And so as we think about this, what we're going to do today is I want to give us a chance to actually take what's going on in the world. In just a few moments, we're going to have a chance to do what's called a a corporate prayer. And we're going to do that in a few moments here where we're going to have a chance to, to just have a response time before God in prayer. Because there's a lot happening right now in the world. And, and, you know, as we think about all that's happening in the world, I'm reminded of this quote from C.S. Lewis who said, in such a fearful world, we need a fearless church. And, and again, it's not the absence of those emotions. It's that it's not going to paralyze us and handcuff us or, or cause us to miss what Jesus has for our lives. And there's a lot happening. In case you didn't know, there's this earthquake that's happened in Haiti. And, you know, as I've been getting updates from our partner in New Missions, which is in Haiti. They're in Haiti in real time. How are you guys doing? What do you need? They're like, thankfully, the missions were doing all right. So much so that the churches and the schools that they've started, they're in good shape. But now they're able, because they have a boat, to bring food to others. It's awesome. It's awesome. But it's it's such a joy to be able to partner with them. But it's, man, lots of people have lost their lives. Lots of people are fighting for their lives right now. And then we hear what's going on in Afghanistan. And, man, we hear about the rise of, of the Taliban and, and all that's happening there. And there's, there's all kinds of information out there, and I'm not going to even pretend to, to quote all that's happening, but we do know that people have lost their lives. People are in harm's way. Children, families are, are torn apart. And so we believe, we believe that our part to play in that is to join Jesus in praying on behalf of them and to make ourselves available as God opens doors and opportunities. And my, my hope for us, even today as we do this prayer together, is that we would get a real sense of how Jesus is meeting us so that we can walk with him to meet the needs of those around us. In a few weeks, we're hopeful that we can even give you more of an update of what's going on in Haiti, but I won't know that until next week as I'm waiting for some confirmation of things with new missions. But I want you to know that we believe, we believe as we pray, Pray for boldness, pray for courage that that God shows up as we see his bigness and and we pray for that. He meets us and and ministers in us and then through us. And then we believe that he's able to heal. So here's what I want to do. I invite you to stand. I want to invite you to stand. And I hope you can read this. But essentially what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the white portion and I'm going to ask us collectively to read this yellow portion out loud together. If you're able to do that or comfortable doing that. But again, this is what's typically called a a corporate prayer, liturgical prayer type of idea here where we collectively are going to respond. All right? So the yellow section is yours to read. All right? So here we go. Heavenly Father, the nations are in chaos, but our 
collective calm in the chaos. Evil and wickedness seem to be winning. Cause the hearts of those doing harm to change. May they see you, it's all powerful, and cease hurting the innocent. We weep with those who weep. Comfort and protect them with your power that knows no end. Make our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and Haiti bold as they demonstrate and proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Make us bold as we join them in sharing Christ where we are. Lord Jesus, outstretch your hand and heal what's been broken. Please bring help and healing to those who have been taken from loved ones and used and abused. Heal us, O God, and may we join in offering your healing hope to others. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May it be so in our day, Lord Jesus. We are longing for you, your will and your way. Amen.